0: is lit
1: welcome to rock is lit the podcast that takes listeners on the quest to find the very best rock novels and explore the propulsive energy and raw power of these stories about music the people who make it and the characters who love it rock is lit is a proud member of the pantheon podcast network i'm your host christy alexander hallberg author of my own rock novel searching for jimmy page from livingston press find me on facebook at christy alexander hallberg and Twitter and Instagram at Hallberg. Visit my website at christiealexanderhalberg.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, follow, and spread the word. My guests for this episode are my rock and roll brothers from two other mothers, the wolf himself, Mac B, and Action Jackson from the Ugly American Werewolf in London rock podcast. The Ugly American Werewolf in London is a weekly podcast about classic rock, hard rock, progressive rock, and heavy metal. Hosted by The Wolf, an American expat living in London, he and Action talk each week about bands, albums, and concerts they love, along with hot topics on rock music. Recorded just off Abbey Road in the heart of London, download and subscribe to The Wolf, another proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. So we're deviating a bit from the regular Rock is Lit format. In this episode, Mac Jackson and I talk about our top five rock movie soundtracks. Because Rock is is a podcast about the convergence of fiction and music, our picks exclude documentaries and biopics and the like. We're sticking to movies based on fictional plots, and we're talking about actual soundtracks, a compilation of songs used in the films, as opposed to movie scores. So, let's start with this. What do you think makes a good movie
2: soundtrack? Now, that's an interesting question to me it can go either way you can either have music that is timely that they put in there that you would know or you can have stuff that really sounds great that comes from the movie like you've never heard it before but it goes with the movie so it go- it goes either way but a lot of the stuff that i know that that we like is that you put in popular music into the soundtrack and then it kind of it you can, you can do it. You can either watch the movie and listen to the soundtrack or you can listen to the soundtrack on its own. It's, it's got to have
3: heavy hitting songs in it. I mean, you know, songs that connect either because they're on the charts or because they're just good by good artists. But it should also trigger a moment and an emotion and a connection in the scene in the movie in which it's being played. Because you could put anything and just roll it at the end credits and say, yeah, you know, House of the Rising Sun was, the, you know, end credits. Or, you know, Stairway to Heaven was in the end credits. No, it's, you've got to have a moment in the movie where it helps tell the story. And I think that's, that's why I've chosen all the, sh- all the movies that I've chosen. And look, honestly, all of ours are pretty similar. And if we had a top ten, I bet seven or eight would overlap for all of us. Right. Yeah. We're in a certain genre. There is
1: some overlap in our list. So let's take a short break before we get into our soundtrack picks. Back in a minute with more Rock is Lit. We're back with Mac B. and Action Jackson of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. We're talking about our top five rock soundtracks. And we each have our own separate list. There's some overlap in them, but we each have our own separate list. Uh, However, we did decide on our top pick, and I don't even think we had to debate it. It was pretty quick that we came up with that. And I can't wait to talk about that movie and the music that goes with it. But first, Mac, what are your four picks?
3: All right, so I don't know if this would be 5 to 2 or 2 to 5 or whatever. Um, and and you know, on any given day, on any given hour, you know, these could mix up a little bit, right? Uh, but it's, it's always fun to, to revisit these. Most of these are things from when I grew up. I think the original one and a classic, a big one, is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, you know, Cameron Crowe uh, knew what he was doing. Um, I, I can't forget remember the name of the producer, but the guy who produced the cars uh, before Mutt Lang got him for Heartbeat City. You know, he did the mm-hmm. soundtrack. You know, that's why Liberty Stereo is in there. Famous Phoebe Kate scene for all those young guys out there. Um, and then uh, let's see what else. Oh, Heavy Metal, the animated classic from Canada um, with John Candy and Eugene Levy and a bunch of other CCTV alums um, or SCTV rather uh, alums. A little weird, not for everybody, but look at the soundtracks, Stevie Nicks, Black Sabbath, you know, members of the Eagles. I mean, it was contemporary, right? It came out at the time, and it to this day, of oh, the 16 tracks, nine are done by members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, you could oh, put wow. together one that was all, yeah, you could put one together now that had all members in there. This is before there was a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, these are contemporary artists. Um, you know, making the right, plus, you know, people like Nazareth and Devo or the non, you know, you know, Blue Oyster mm-hmm. Coulter on there, you know, so Sammy Hagar. So, uh, and it's great. The plot is maybe not, you know, there's maybe not this great continuous line through it, but it's a great master of a soundtrack. Um, I've
1: never seen that actually.
3: But, well, like I said, it's not for everyone. It's kind of something they would show at a midnight theater, like on if Friday night is Rocky gotcha. Horror then Saturday night might be this, you know. Kind of thing because it's animated but it's adult animation yeah
1: i remember my brother had the movie poster in his room that and i would he's 10 years older than i am and i would go in there and look at it when i was a kid and like what the hell is that about
3: yes uh an offbeat one and 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 one that might get uh you know uh at some point with the lost boys um, it just, I don't know. It probably just hit me at a certain age, but you know, it has like mm-hmm. Echo and the bunny been doing the doors. It has Roger Daltrey doing, don't let the sun go down on me. And I don't know. It, it, obviously it wasn't just the rock hits on there and there weren't even really any big hits, uh, which is kind of why I liked it too. But there's also a score to it, of course, but I don't know. That one always just held a, a place in my mind And then Valley Girl. Oh my yeah. God. 80s classic. I mean, if you were watching MTV in 1982, 1983, just watch this movie with a young Nick Gage with all his hair and and sensibilities about him, um, you know, with Deborah Foreman and a few other folks you might recognize. But like, like our number one pick, like the one we're reviewing, this actually has two different soundtrack releases. There was a second uh, Valley girl LP out. And if you can get your hands on the CD, that's a little bit of okay. a treasure. You got to hold So on. that had
1: electric Avenue, Eddie Grant on it. Oh, it had um, love my way. And psychedelic furs. Yeah. I love that you know, song. I, mean, and, uh,
3: uh, I melt with you uh, was on there. By oh, man. English, I love that know? song. Yeah. Million miles away by the plim Sols. I mean, it's not hard rock, like heavy metal, like the heavy metal soundtrack is. But I mean, if you like that new wave, early eighties, early MTV stuff, that's a great, you know, that's a great soundtrack. Well, I'm really too, but the whole movie is, is how California is just the beacon of social light you yeah. know, for teenagers. Yeah. Now, the did the right? song
1: Valley girl. That's not in the movie that came. Did that come after? Do you remember the the one with um, moon unit Zappa?
3: From uh, moon unit. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think so. No, I don't, it's not in there.
1: Okay. In the picture, Jackson, yeah. what you got?
2: Well, I've got. uh, I'll I'll talk about the ones that weren't on that list because you know heavy metal is on there for sure, and same with Fast Times. The ones that I really liked, the the Blues Brothers to me is always they always went together. But that was one that was it. Was it really a movie that they made around that, or was it Dan Aykroyd's love letter to all the rhythm and blues from the sixties? Because they had (laughs) they had James Brown was in it for a second, Aretha Franklin. Um, John Lee Hooker, so it it really is is something every... Well, look who was in their band, yeah, man Yeah, the entire <laughs> Steve the Colonel Cropper
3: was in there, you know Mac Guitar <laughs> yeah. Murphy
2: was in it, there It is yeah. actually crazy that you bring that up, when you go back and look I mean, that was the Saturday Night Live band at the time, mm-hmm. but then you look like, yeah, like Donald Duck Dunn was on a ton of stuff, just, they were big time session musicians, and so, and this is just a great movie, it's just a silly movie to watch and you can listen to the soundtrack and then the other one I really like—you could say the same thing about this—a silly movie is *Animal House*, because it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, of a time. It was supposed to be 1962, but it's timeless as far as you know. If you've ever been involved with college and fraternity lifestyle, you know, either in it or around it. And then the great songs from the 60s that that just mm-hmm. hammer home the, um, just the feeling of the movie.
1: I had that on cassette. That soundtrack. Nice. When I was. 11, 12, 13, nice. something like that. Yeah, I had that soundtrack on cassette and I'd play it over and over. And and just the scene with shout is <laughs> so great in the movie. Um, okay, so that's, you also picked The Lost Boys Correct. and Fast Times. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, me. Mine are not ranked. I mean, you guys won't rank in yours either yeah. though, so that's okay. I, I didn't rank mine. They're just movies that resonated with me for whatever reason. So the first one I'll talk about is Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. it's all happening. And that's from 2000. I just, I, Great I love that movie. I was so excited when it came out because of all the little wink and it's nods fantastic. to Led Zeppelin in it. And it, you know, like the guy in the hotel, it may have been the riot house in LA wearing the, the t-shirt with, have you seen the bridge? And it was just, it was fun to sit in the theater and watch <laughs> that and go, oh, I got that. I got that. And you know, of course, all that stuff's largely based on Cameron Crowe's experiences. Um, it's interesting. The soundtrack. I was going to re-
3: say it's also Cameron Crowe. You know, that's yes. going to be a good soundtrack anytime Cameron Crowe. I mean, it, it singles. I mean, singles didn't really resonate oh, with me I totally musically, but the music in it was was great, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he does what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, it's interesting. The the soundtrack for a most famous. Won a Grammy in 2001 for Best Compilation Soundtrack Album for Motion Picture. It's just a a, a great soundtrack. And it was, what, the first time Zeppelin actually let, not only, not only gave permission for their songs to be in, in movies, which they didn't do that often, but they actually let him put some of them on the soundtrack. And they hadn't done that before. And that, that scene with Tiny Dancer on the bus is just fabulous.
2: That, that so is I also a, picked the... That's a fabulous scene, but I also love the one yeah. where he gets the call from Rolling Stone and his mom picks up the phone. And yeah. Like, and, <laughs> yeah, I know my lady always gives me a hard time. Yeah, tell me about Yeah, tell me about it. it. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, crazy, crazy. What's Aww. your background, William? Are you a journalism major?
0: Yeah. What college? Honey, I need you to do that thing that fixes the garbage disposal. Well, I certainly know how my lady gets when you don't snap to it. Crazy. 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 Crazy.
1: Yeah, it's a great movie. Crazy. And I also picked the Blues Brothers. It, it's just, That movie is just fun. And the soundtrack is fun. And it, it's just great to see great. all of these old guys coming back. It was the last time that Cab Calloway made a film appearance. So just all of the, and just seeing James Brown as the, the preacher at the beginning is, that's worth the movie. So I won't I won't say, Oh, the rawhide oh, scene. That's it's just hysterical. It's a little chicken wire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, and I also picked <laughs> fast times at Ridgemont high. How could you not? I think it's just the quintessential high school movie. And it, it just kind of started that whole thing. Um, so many of the songs,
3: um, it did start it though, Christy. No, I'm sorry, but just to jump in, it did start it. But my honorable mention, which I didn't talk about, was was a genre of '80s high school yeah. cinema, and that's yes. John Hughes, right? Honorable mention: The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink. You know, um, uh, even stuff like Vacation. Yeah. You know, Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday Road. Mm-hmm. I mean. It, it was it was never an entire soundtrack, you know it was like they used them in the right moments and it was very of that era mm-hmm. again that eighties kind of techno John Hughes was amazing about that and so while I couldn't pick any one of those, if you let me put together a John Hughes soundtrack box set oh, wow. <laughs> i promise that's something you're going to want in your stocking this absolutely. Christmas. absolutely
2: but see that brings up an interesting point because like let's take the breakfast club and take simple minds don't you forget about me that was not yeah. I mean, th- that came out with the movie like when you saw mm-hmm. the movie you didn't necessarily you hadn't really heard that song before but that came, became a giant hit and is now mm-hmm. synonymous not only with the movie but with the with the pretty much the 80s itself so yeah. I, I think it can go either way with with um the the music enhancing the movie experience. Mhm.
1: So my last pick is from from the 60s. I love Easy Rider. It came out a few months before I was born. And I I think it's such a landmark counterculture film and the soundtrack is too. And I I just I love how The songs that make up the soundtrack were carefully selected, kind of form a a musical commentary on the film, and you've got things like The Pusher from Steppenwolf at the beginning when they're doing the drug deal, and then Born to be Wild. out before the movie or was that did it come out when the movie came out i don't remember that i don't know but um it, it's perfect in the movie
3: it wasn't it wasn't yeah i think you're right it was perfect in the movie i think it existed pre-movie okay. but i i think it that see, that scene in the movie solidified it yeah it's 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 a big reason why we all know it and it's still a big song to this day and,
1: and you had peter fonda and dennis hopper and terry southern uh, writing the script and Peter Fonda producing it and Dennis Hopper directing it, and then you've got Jack Nicholson in it, and I, I think he got a, I think he got an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor for playing that the alcoholic lawyer in that. But it's just a fantastic movie. Probably so. And, and the fun fact that won't surprise you, given who these people were, um, real drugs were used when when you have the drug scenes. They were really using the drugs. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I saw so, I saw an interview with uh with Hopper and they asked him about that like how did you how did you you know with the scene where you're getting Jack Nicholson to smoke pot he's like there's only so much acting you can do and then you kind of have to <laughs> go for it. So yes, yeah. I believe that there were yes, shenanigans going on on the set.
1: I suspect you are right and and I'm thinking of that scene in the cemetery when they're on acid. <laughs> I'm sure that was just crazy to film. <laughs> So, those are my picks. And before we get into our final pick, let's take another short break and we'll be right back with our top rock soundtrack pick.
2: You better think
0: about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman.
2: You better think.
1: And now, for the moment you've all been waiting for, our number one rock soundtrack pick. All right, all right, all right. Party <laughs> at the Moon Tower is dazed and confused. Yeah. Woo! So here's a, a brief introduction, and hey, why do you love her, man? <laughs> here's just a brief introduction. And then we'll we'll get into talking about the film and the music. Written and directed by Richard Linkletter, who also directed Slacker in 1991, Dazed and Confused was released in 1993. did you guys see it when it came out? Because I I was years later.
3: I went home for Thanksgiving and saw it at the theater, at that theater that showed heavy metal, at the theater that shows Monty Python and the Holy Grail at midnight, at the theater that shows Rocky Horror. Um, I went with a bunch of friends from high school, because I was back, you know, for a few days or whatever. And so we went to that. Uh, And I just, I remember I I loved every minute of it. It was like, you know, 1993, so we were 20, you know, um, and you're about to be 21. And yes, seeing this magical, mystical time of the 70s with all this music that you and I love, this like 70s hard rock and Aerosmith and Sabbath and Alice Cooper and Leonard Skinner and stuff that we like, plus some other stuff. It's like, oh yeah, we know that stuff. I don't know. It just, it romanticized the time that probably didn't seem that great to the kids going through it at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, But it it was, I think it very much romanticized the way of life back then. The kind of an innocence, you got away with a lot of stuff. I don't know. It was fun.
1: Oh yeah. If you can, if you can go to school with a marijuana leaf on your (laughs) t-shirt, it's a different time. You can't do that now.
2: Yeah, because I, so I, I'm remembering that back now. Yeah, you came back and said, oh, you've got to see this movie. You've got to see this movie. And at that point in time, I didn't have a TV or anything like that. So I had like, never heard of the movie before. I didn't know what it was about. All right, what's this movie about? It's about the last day of school in 1976. Uh, okay. And, <laughs> but it has a killer soundtrack. You're yeah. going to love the soundtrack. So, all right, let's go. Let's do this thing.
1: So a, a bit more by way of introduction. The film features a large ensemble cast of actors who would later become stars, including Jason London, Ben Affleck, who is a total dick in this movie, Jamila Jovovich, Cole Hauser, Parker Posey, Adam Goldberg, Roy Cochran, Nikki Catt, Joey Lauren Adams, and the man himself, Matthew McConaughey. The plot, what plot? It, it follows a different group of, of Texas teenagers, as you were saying, Jackson, during the last day of school in 1976. Rolling Stone Magazine's Peter Travers called it a shit-faced American graffiti, which I love. (laughs)
3: Nice. A couple
1: of other things before we really jump in. For me, so much of what makes this movie great is the soundtrack, like you were saying. The music is absolutely essential in this film. Every song captures the tone and the spirit of what's going on in whatever scene the song appears in. And so... In that sense, the music kind of acts like a, a Greek chorus, sort of augmenting the plot. And even in scenes where the music's almost subliminal, where you can just, you can just barely hear it, it, it's still amazing the attention to detail the director gave this movie. And I, I read that he actually made a mixtape cassette for every character that included the kind of music he thought the character would listen mm-hmm. to and gave it to the actors to help him prepare that was interesting. Yeah. So eventually the soundtrack was certified double platinum.
2: Well, I went back and watched this in preparation for this, for this show. And I mean, I've seen enough times where I thought, yeah, you know what? I I mean, I could do it without another viewing or two, but I went ahead and did it anyway. There's only one or two scenes in the whole movie that don't have music behind it. it. It's constantly, and you're right. Every song is perfect for the scene. It, it adds mm-hmm. to the scene. I really wonder what this would be without the music. I mean, I think it would be, it, the movie is pretty good. It's It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't really have a plot. It's more just, you know, these characters and what they're doing mm-hmm. for a day into a night into the next morning. But yeah, the, the, it's the soundtrack that really drives it and, and helps you establish the mood and what's going on in each scene. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: It, it, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely perfect. You couldn't you couldn't make the movie without
3: the music, you know, and it has enough Mm-mm. huge hits that everybody knows, but also has some hits like maybe you didn't recognize those. I mean, I didn't know every single song of that movie when I saw it at 20 years old. You know, I hadn't heard every single one before. Of course, some are, you know, sweet emotion how they start the movie that way. They just kind of let it build slowly as they kind of roll some of the credits. And then when they do the opening – then you see the big orange Camaro in the parking lot. They're driving around smoking. I'm like, yeah. all right, now here we go. You know. Then they took like 15 minutes to set up the characters, and then they went back into using music, you know, to describe every event. You know, and, and yeah, like you said, some of it is just perfect. Like when they're busting his, his ass, you know, they're saying no more nice, nice guy. You know, it, it just perfect, perfect spots. But we we can get into that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could just almost go down the soundtrack because it. I've got, I went back and watched the movie. I hadn't seen it in a year or two and went back and watched it the other day and was sort of noting the songs as they appeared in the movie and, and appreciating so much how relevant they are to the scene. Like, the School's Out is the next song, I think, mm-hmm. the Alice Cooper song, and that's when School's Out. And those poor, those poor kids, those poor junior high kids, who are now going through this rite of passage. They're going to be freshmen in high school, and and the deal is that this, the guy, the incoming seniors in high school are going to chase down the boys and paddle them, and and the the girls, the incoming seniors, are going to chase down the the girls who are incoming freshmen and do all kinds of awful things to them involving ketchup and mustard and eggs and. Hot pavement and so on, and air raid, and <laughs> right. all of that. So, you know, so we've got schools out, which is the perfect. How I wonder how many movies that song has been in. How many high school movies that song has appeared in?
2: Good question. Fair question. I don't. You know. Yeah, and and especially oh, well, after right. this one too. Hmm.
3: No, and it was on the first soundtrack too, right? Because they did eventually do two soundtracks. Because, okay. wow, the first one did so well. Let's put out the ones, you know, that, that didn't make the first one. And, yeah, they put it on there because yeah. it, it wasn't just that these were the key songs. They knew these songs would sell a double platinum record.
1: Right. So I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I just, the question came to mind. The Hurricane by Bob Dylan, that was not on the original soundtrack, was it? I mean, it was in the movie, but not on the soundtrack.
3: No, you're right. It wasn't. Yeah. It was not on the soundtrack. And it what prompted me to buy Desire by Bob Dylan, because that was really the only record that you could get it on. It's like, I have to have that song because of its role in this movie. Because them walking, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the three of them, the three generations, you know, McConaughey, Jason London, and Wiley Wiggins... You know, the the old man graduate, the rising senior, the rising freshman walking in there and they do like a Miami Vice slow motion thing on it for a while, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so yeah.
3: cool. I'm like, wow. And that was an amazing song. And then, you know, you learn about it. Well, yeah, it's a protest song to get Reuben Carter out of jail, which of course I did nothing about when I was 20 years mm-hmm. old in 1993. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's another you know powerful use of a powerful song. You think, well, that's not a big deal. It's just them walking into the arcade or whatever. It's like, no, man, that was a big scene in the movie for me.
1: So the next song that we hear in the movie, if I'm not mistaken, is Jim Dandy. And it's like the, the chase ensues. Ben Affleck and his crew are going after these poor these poor boys to, to beat the crap out of them, basically. So that's, that's what's going... You know, I mean, who did that song? Black, Black Oak. Oak, Arkansas. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Oak, Arkansas did that song. And it's got a different... It's got more of an old-school feel to it.
2: But Yeah, but it's got that, it's got that the frantic songs. pace to it. And, and the, best, the best part yeah. about that is when they go up to the teacher who, it turns out, is Mr. Payne. Uh, Mr. Payne, sir... You know, every second that you could let us out early would really increase our chances of survival.
0: It's like our sergeant told us before one trip into the jungle. Men,
2: 50 of you are leaving on a mission, 25 of you ain't coming back. And I have no, I mean, I guess this was a real thing. They used to just, back in the 70s, just yeah. beat the crap out of these kids. Because I was thinking, man, every single South. one of these dudes would be arrested. And sent to jail for assault, but it was just—it yeah. was just what happened.
1: I think it was a different time in the 70s. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: you—you
1: you could get Definitely. paddled at yeah, school no in the 70s. I am testament to that.
3: But you can also have your fortune change, right? Uh, remember, I mean, remember when Jody said, "You know, there's there's the popular girls everybody knows are going to get on the trucks," but then she went out and girl who didn't know anybody right but she was pretty and she had something about her and said hey do you want to come yeah be in the gang you know and she jumped on the truck and you could see her old friends like stuck you know back there like leaving them in the eighth grade while she's yeah. going to high school to go have the time of life and that could happen
1: too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. same thing happens to mitch too the guys um pink befriends him and i always figured Mitch probably reminded Pink a little bit of himself because he was that kind of budding jock, the baseball player. And there there was Pink, this jock, who's trying to decide whether or not he's going to sign this paper saying, I won't drink, I won't do drugs before a game or at all or whatever it was. And so there's there's that kind of symmetry there, too.
3: Definitely. But he also wanted to uh, vine theory his way from Simone to Jody. And so that's, you know, if he befriends Mitch, it'll be easier to get in with Jody, mm-hmm. and that's going to happen, because he's he the quarterback. Always,
2: yeah, yeah, I always thought there was yeah, something about that, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, this kid, yeah, he reminds me of myself, and his sister is pretty fine, so yeah, I can use <laughs> yeah. A to get to B. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I, I love the use of why can't we be friends? <laughs> why can't we be friends? And Parker Posey and these other senior girls are torturing these, these poor incoming freshman girls. And as I mentioned with the ketchup and the mustard and, and the eggs and all that. and the, It's just a, a great use of a song in that scene. And,
2: and it, begs, it begs the question, what's worse? The guys beating the, mm. the boys? Or the girls just completely, I mean, nobody got physically assaulted, but they got degraded in front of everyone. Oh, yeah. Like Like having to go go, to these guys
1: and get on their knees and say, will you marry me? I'll do anything for you, anything you want.
3: Okay, I'm I'm just going to tell you guys this right now. I think Jackson kind of already knows this. I have never wanted a woman on celluloid more in my life Except for maybe Princess Leia. Except for maybe Princess Leia. But at four, I wouldn't know what to do with Princess Leia. When I was 20 years old and I saw Parker Posey being this queen bee, HBIC, just bossing these girls around with a big, beautiful smile. Her face was perfect, you know, like flawless with a little bit of red hair. Gary and I both have this redheaded thing. Anyway, I was... (laughs) In love, and I still am to this day. Anytime I see Parker Posey, I'm like, there she is. There she is. Yes, yes. Fell in love with her in that instant. You like the, you like the mean girls. I mean, with a face like that, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Fair enough. And it, it's interesting, you know, you're talking about just, just the, the, I don't want to say glee, but maybe glee. Of her, like, this is her shot. This is what she's going to oh, do. Yeah. And she is going to just beat these women, these girls into the ground. And you know, you had, you, oh, you know, you don't have to do this or whatever. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Either you're in or you're out. And yes, I am going to torture you. No, but you talk about the ensemble cast. How do you
3: stand out? I mean, like, how do you stand out with Joey Lauren Adams is in every scene with you? how do you do that? She is selling out as an actress, like, get up, you little sluts, you little dirty slut girls. Get up, you <laughs> freshman slut, you know, just, just screaming at them. Ah, ah, you know, and everyone else is just kind of strutting around looking hot, you know. And and I'm like, I yeah. that, see, that's a standout performance. That she made it special. I love yeah. you, Parker. Yeah, she she
1: she she made a great mean girl for sure. <laughs> So I think the next song is "Stranglehold" by Ted Nugent, and I have to admit, I don't remember hearing this. Was this one of those subliminal songs where it's kind of in the background? I, you know, I could have blocked it out because I freaking hate Ted Nugent. So maybe that's oh, it. Yeah. But I don't remember it, hearing that, that song been, in the movie.
2: Yeah, and I, I could see how I could see how you would not like Ted Nugent, perhaps for his views. And then you listen to that song and you're like, wow, that's a whole nother level there, right? Hmm. Okay. You know, yeah.
1: I know when I grew up with Ted Nugent, my brother, I can still see the album cover in his room. So, yeah, I mean, I respect the guy as a, a great musician, but I can't stand him.
2: <laughs> right. I'm well, I'm just going to have to, to work point. with me on this. I, I, it's your show and we will say we will respect <laughs> all of your wishes here but i will say i don't think i think it was just the music i don't think mm-hmm. there it really is mm-hmm. and it, it's distinctive that's definitely a distinctive song but if you didn't know it right you, you it would just kind of pass you by
3: yeah and the riff is good distinctive in the in the
2: movie because everyone knows it
1: okay I, I I don't remember hearing it. I don't know what what
2: where scene on, like, was it. Maybe they like on the radio or it was something the scene like that. Where they're at Pickford's house. They're at Pickford's house. They're sitting in his in his um, bedroom getting high, and the beer truck guy oh, shows up. Okay. But I want to say that in that scene and the scene before, Pickford's father, his leisure suit is on point. <laughs> it is fantastic, and I love the thing yeah, too where the, they show so up good. and they're getting ready. They're putting the stuff in the car, and they're like. Oh, you guys are, you guys are going away. Oh, is he going with you? Oh no, he's staying. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Have oh. like, fun. Oh, we I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have fun. Yeah, and then. Yeah. <laughs> Got the wrong house. Too bad right, the man? keg
1: showed up early. It's just too bad. <laughs> I know. So the next song I think is Free Ride. I, I love that song. Yeah. And I remember listening to that as a kid over and over. Edgar Winter Group, this is seniors' parents find out about the keg party. Um, the, the kids are getting ready and headed for the party that's been canceled, or they're going to the arcade. So, another perfect use of a song. The mountain is high, the valley is low, and you're confused on which way to go. So, I've come here to give you a hand and lead you into the promised land. So come on and take a Promised free land. Guide. Love it. Yeah,
2: man. And and the part where the kids are, the Mitch, Mitch, Mitchie, and the other kids are playing uh, baseball, and they know, they know as soon mm-hmm. as this game is over, they are just going to be dead men. It's just like, oh, please. And then, you know, what's his name? Uh, Carl comes over and says, hey, can you leave out of the East? Shut up, man. You know, <laughs> don't, don't make it any worse than it's going to be. And they're just standing there with the paddles, just, you know, come on, mm-hmm. play the game. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Carl is a very unlikable character, as far as I'm concerned, because he—he he really he's is always trying to get away with something. He's he, isn't he? You know, and he's trying to, Mitch. You know, you you go get hit. I'm going to get out of it somehow because I'm a little weasel. Um, <laughs> Love when his mom pulled a shotgun on that athlete. <laughs> oh, but that that's his awesome. mom. That's not him. That's yes. not him. You know, so uh, yeah, he's a little weasel. He has a rock and roll con- movie connection. You know, he played Phil Collins in. Uh, hysteria the deaf leopard story the vh1 made for tv atrocity (laughs) esteban powell anything i've ever seen him (laughs) in the side
1: i didn't know that when did that come out early 2000s i think Mm, okay
2: that's probably did he do yeah
1: did he do anything else after Uh,
2: that might have to check the old imdb page for that
1: okay and then we, we've already talked about No More Mr. Nice Guy, Alice Cooper, that scene where the, the game is over and Ben Affleck and the other guys are waiting for Mitch. They're going to they're gonna catch them and spank them.
2: So and, Well, and here's, here's a, an example for me of how I've, I'd heard the song before it, but it imprinted on me with this movie because every time it comes on the radio, that riff, all I see is the, the scene where he's got the pole, the paddle, and he just spins it in the air and catches it and you know he's just gonna beat the crap out of him i mm-hmm. just that just it triggers mm-hmm. every single time like that's the scene where they just be, and it's in slow motion too mm-hmm.
1: oh. so next up low rider war and they're just riding around mm-hmm. you know they're just it's, right. they're all listening i love it that they're all listening to the same song it's like this is what remember back in the day when you you everybody listened to the same radio station and it's not like that anymore, but you've got all these different scenes or focusing on different groups of characters in different places. And they're, they're all listening to low rider at that moment. And they're, they're all, all, this is uh, when they're playing that song, there's that great scene in the car when Tony says to Mike, so you're not going to law school? What do you want to do? And Mike says, I want to dance. And it just kind of crystallizes <laughs> the whole movie. Like, you know, who gives a shit about what happens after tonight? Everything is all about tonight and, and getting those Aerosmith tickets. And so there, there's your, well, they're, are your priorities right there.
2: And the thing is too, like what, I, what struck me, and I, I don't know if I'd thought about this before, but so you got the two groups of people. You've got the middle school kids who are going to be in high school and then Mm. the high school kids who are going to be seniors. And for the seniors, it's like, this is it. They know this is the, this is the run to the end. High school is going to be over. And, you know, it's, they're looking forward to it, but they're also like, Ooh, what's going to happen after that? You know, you have the whole McConaughey thing where it's like, yeah, I could go to back to school, but I'm working. And, you know, he's still stuck in high school and, you know, Ben Affleck, who, it's it's funny because I you forget that he's in that and then you see him as a as a very young person because that was before Goodwill Hunting came out. The dude mm. who failed out twice That's and right. should be gone, but he's still there, you know, holding on. And then you got these kids who it's the same way, like they're going to high school, but like they're not little kids anymore. They're moving up in the world. So it's mm-hmm. kind of that calm before the storm, what's gonna happen this next year. Yeah.
1: And it it's also when that song is playing we get Matthew McConaughey. He enters. And I, I love that. They're they're in the car with him. Mitch is in the car with him with Pink. And he says, say, man, you got a joint? And Mitch says, no. And mm-hmm. he goes, it'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the best be lines in the movie. And did. the way he delivers it, <laughs> it's hard to believe this was his first movie. And he was only supposed to have what, three lines or something? And it just turned into this iconic part. Right.
3: I know. And of course, he grew up in Texas in the 70s and 80s, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. He, he grew up in Texas in the 70s and 80s he, with his chest out. You know, his dad was mm-hmm. a Green Bay Packer. You know, he's good looking and nice. Uh, he had a lot going for him, you know. And I think that kind of carried right into the movie.
1: So he got that part. He'd meet the casting director in a, in a bar in Austin. They just, Something he just like that, happened yeah. to be, he was, and he was in film school to be a director. He wasn't even interested in acting. And then he winds up getting this part that just becomes so much bigger than what it was intended to be. And now here he is with an Academy award and, <laughs> and all of that. <laughs> yeah.
3: Not as many as Affleck, but he's doing okay, Oh well, yeah,
1: yeah. I, they're both doing all right.
2: <laughs> hey, this is Mac B, the wolf. And this is Action Jackson from the Ugly American Werewolf in London rock podcast.
3: And you are listening to Rock is Lit with our rock and roll sister, Christy alexander Hulber. Pistol
0: shots ring out in a fire room night Into Betty Valentine
1: All right, so up next is The Hurricane uh, by Bob Dylan. And, and I i have been a huge Bob Dylan fan ever since I can remember. So that was, uh, I loved hearing that in the movie. And it's, it's just the guy, like you were talking about, this entrance that they make into the Emporium with that song. It's a, just a powerful moment when they come in there kind of, Walking like Reservoir Dogs or whatever, and it, it was, it was a great song for that particular scene.
2: And it reminds you too about how, at that time in life, there or at that time in in our history, like you didn't have. I mean, I guess you had a phone, but you know, you had one phone for the house. Like you needed to go yeah. to a place like that to see what to hang out, but also see what was going on. That it was kind of like the central hub, and you knew that mm-hmm. was the hive. You know, you had some people playing pool, some people playing foosball, everybody's drinking, and yeah, mm-hmm. the whole night is falling apart. It's a total mm-hmm. disaster. So now, what are we going to do? How are we going to save this?
1: Right.
3: Oh, it's
2: coming together. No,
3: no. And the thing is, the track <laughs> itself is by definition a deep cut okay it's seven or eight minutes long it's Mm -hmm. a political protest song it it uses the n-word in it you know Mm -hmm. you you don't hear that on like noon drive time you know that that's a very deep cut and not a lot of people had heard that song and if you didn't live through it which we didn't because we were too young
1: yeah
3: we didn't know the story of reuben hurricane cutter and and I don't know. And, you know, it's got a violin in it, right? It's crazy. And it just, it happened at a time that's actually covered pretty well in, uh, If I think maybe on Netflix or something, you can see Bob Dylan the Rolling Thunder Review, which basically mm-hmm. takes a trip back to this tour that he did with a lot of characters um, right around the release of this album. It's like, hey, there's a motivated Dylan who wants to get out with some talented people and make some noise and do a tour, but not do a huge tour. I don't know. It, it, I totally recommend that Obviously, I knew some of Bob Dylan's hits, especially the ones that had been covered by other artists. But this one just kind of showed me what I didn't know about Bob Dylan in a bunch of ways. and I'm like, wow, if there's one of those, then I need to get to know this guy a lot better.
1: So you said you got the Desire album so you could hear that song?
3: Absolutely. Because it's... Yeah. Absolutely. I went out and bought it because it's the only place I could find it. Yeah.
1: That's a great album. There's some good stuff on that. I don't remember when that came out. It was what the 70s yeah yeah that's a great album well of course it was the 70s but all right the next song is i just want to make love to you by fog hat and that we've just got guys getting high in the car we've just got cruising <laughs> telling the girls in the car there's a bill beer blast coming later and
2: just kind of cruising yeah, and, and the we used to use this all the time when it first came out, the check you later, check you later. It's like, why are you always saying that? So stupid, but they think that's like the cool, <laughs> that's yeah. all, that's, hey, that's my deal. And they're like, you sound like such a dope when you say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I just remember, I think Paul Rogers did a
3: killer version of this when he was in Bad Company, maybe free, but I think it was Bad Company. And at first huh. I thought that was him um doing that but no fog hat does it some yeah. serious justice i think the stones did it back in the day i think they did mm-hmm. it on a dean martin show mm-hmm.
1: once
3: um but uh but yeah but i, I think fog hat rocked that you know they did a great version yeah. of it, perfect for the soundtrack
1: i love the next song it, and the way it's used love hurts You <laughs> <laughs> my nazareth you got these poor little junior high kids at their last Bullseye. dance yeah and they're they're doing you know, remember the slow dance you did when you were in junior high with you know the girl's got her hands on your shoulders and you're kind of arms length apart and yeah it's just kind of this sad little going through the motions of of teenage love and they're at that crossroads these kids heading into high school let's get the hell out of here and and go have some fun so and that's
2: the song that's playing well, you're kind of you're kind of full of it too, because I mean, obviously Hirschfeld was he was he was uh, miles ahead of everybody else. He was oh, he's to, making oh, wanna,
1: out, yeah he's he's yeah, making. We out. don't want to be
2: at this stupid dance. Oh no, right. if we leave, we can't come back. What are we gonna do? If they if you they had had a spark of interest, they would have been there still today. So don't give me this crap. But it's like yeah. that awkward, <laughs> like you don't really know what to do. There's oh, we got to get out of here because I don't danger i can't i can't do this anymore and then yeah the, uh you know the one guy that does get pulled out and he's like oh man i was gonna get there you don't even know where there is but that's <laughs> right <laughs> oh but still making out was fun back then man
3: and that was like serious uh stuff going on serious emotions and, and if, making out if- was
2: a big deal Mm-hmm. Right, if that was available to you. But if it wasn't, then this place sucks and this is stupid. We're, who wants to be here? This is lame. Let's go do something fun.
1: Bingo. Right. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. That's Whatever one of the joys
1: of guy. this movie is everybody knows somebody from high school <laughs> who was one of these characters or you Just were like one that. of these characters. Okay, so uh, y'all Yeah, so who, me. That's
3: a great question. Who were who you? Oh, who shit. You, who were you? Which <laughs> character in this picture that. do you relate to? Because it's obvious for me I am hmm. random Pink Floyd.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I
3: don't know. Maybe not.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't think I was as smart as the redhead. What was her name? I've forgotten her name.
3: Marissa Ribisi.
1: Yeah, I I was. Giovanni I was sister. more. Yeah, I was more like contemplating the universe, and I was. I kind of had a dark side in high school. I Uh-oh. was. I had my my torn jeans with Led Zeppelin written all over it, and all the other stones and what have you. And I, I was cool. I, I was a bit dark, I think, in high school. So I won't say I was like her, but I was the one thinking, "Let's have the deep conversation." And I, I probably didn't even know what the hell I was talking about, but I wanted to have it.
3: Yeah, that's. But that was the deep conversation she had later at the Moon Tower about how mm-hmm. look, the fifties. Mm-hmm. suck the 60s rock the 70s well they obviously suck whereas a guy in the 90s like
1: god damn i wish i was in the 70s with you right now but you yeah know, then
3: she's like the 80s might be radical you know um so I hope how little
1: she fine. knew how little that character knew about the 80s okay so the next song is what paranoid you, oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah, jackson who are well, you well now see
2: that's trying, you're trying to get out that, of this hey boy this is your show i'm not gonna jump in and <laughs> Steer the ship away. No, jump in. and I was I was yeah, so I don't know if I can say one person. I mean I know this is gonna be hard to believe, but I was kinda nerdy in high school. Uh way to break character there. So I definitely had some of that, like that awkward, nerdy <laughs> phase. But then mm-hmm. man, I'll tell you, there was there was a lot of Don in me too. Like the, the, okay I love that I love that line where she's like you're such an asshole. And he's like, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you just feel like that. Yep, I'm going to take that. I'm going to yep. see this thing. That's, that's itching you right here. I'm going to poke at it because that's just me and I'm a jerk. When I want to <laughs> Especially in high school when you're like, I don't even care. Like I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be a jerk for being a jerk's sake.
1: see. I can't see that, that you <laughs> must've done a lot of changing because I
2: don't see that. I've calmed down a lot. Ah, okay. <laughs>
1: I was not a big partier in high school. So, I, yeah, I, I, I was, oh. I would have gone to the party, but I would have been the one kind of in the back watching and taking it in and wanting to, I would have been the one talking about how, yeah, in the 50s, man, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I would not have been Slater talking about how George Washington was into grass though there
2: well because <laughs> the aliens okay. oh george oh, there was
1: an alien man
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i get ahead of myself no, yeah, there's
3: some weird stuff going on a dollar bill man you know you ever looked at a dollar bill and it's
1: green too <laughs> man martha washington
3: <laughs> she was a hip
1: she was hip lady yeah all right
3: hip hip lady paranoid yeah.
1: black sabbath if we're going in order that's that's and y'all, correct me if I'm wrong. If if I've missed right, something, next. okay. So
2: no, I mean you've got it. You've got it so far. This is good. So yeah, right. this is um, this is another ass beating scene. Yes,
1: this is the Ben Affleck more <laughs> more being a dick, catching yeah. the kid, and saying "squeal like a pig." Have the deliverance nah, moment that's there. That's right. Yeah. So that that's the scene that inspires them to get revenge on him. Well, I mean it's like the icing on it the is. cake of what he's been doing
2: and it's funny too because like at the beginning it looks like he like he affleck is friends with all those guys like the football players but i don't think really anybody liked him like he like kind of tolerated him because he he was around and i think he was somehow involved in football but yeah push Mm -hmm. comes to shove like when he walks off you know it gets into his car and drives off in disgust no Mm -hmm. one's really that sad
1: oh hey come on back
2: buddy no
1: he does it very well
2: interesting
3: side note on this song this song is the reason I no longer possess the Dazed and Confused original soundtrack anymore. Because you remember Derek, who we went to the uh, Metallica show down in South Florida? His dad took us on a cigarette boat, Jackson?
2: Yes, I do. Well, you still have your car. Derek coffee? came to my room.
3: Yes, or well, it, who knows where it is now? But he came to my room at like three in the morning knocking on the door. Dun, dun, dun. Matt B., hey, do you have Paranoid by Black Sabbath? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Because you know, he's like loaded and he really wants to <laughs> hear this song in a major way. So I'm like, okay, I've got it on this cheesy black Sabbath best of, which I should have given him. It was one of those BS CBS special products It's probably like five bucks oh, the nice or books. I could give him days yeah. and confused. And I, yeah, and I I gave him the days and confused like, well, I'll probably get that from him in two days or so. Yeah, that's that's gone to drunken revelry. So <laughs> I still have number two, which I think is harder to get, but uh, but yeah, number one is long. Okay, gone.
1: we need to do a search for him on social media and find him and make him give you your, your C D back. <laughs> that ain't right. All right, the next song. Never been any reason. Head East.
2: Never been any reason.
1: So they're just hanging out waiting to find out if there's gonna be a beer blast more so hanging out waiting waiting for the beer right. blast So,
2: trying to flip bottle caps and look cool
3: oh J- jackson educated me back in college that this that this was head east all right like you, you know everybody knows you know all these like one-off you know one yeah. hit wonders of the 70s or whatever like you might know you know runaways you might yeah. know whoever i said well who even knows who this buys like this is head east i'm like Wow, Jackson, you can be my friend.
1: <laughs> so I knew the song, but I didn't know. it. I had to to look up the band, and I don't remember the band. So I'm I'm with you. I know the song, don't know the band. Fox on the Run by Sweet, and that's another one like the Ted Nugent stuff. I don't remember. I don't remember where this
2: is in the movie. Do you remember? They're back at the. So I made notes on this. So they are. This is where they're outside of the pool hall. They're kind okay. of just standing around, and again. This, this, was the, uh, this was the scene where I understand that, that uh, what was the gentleman's name? Wiley Wiggins, who plays Mitch. Mm-hmm. He, uh, this is like kind of his big scene where he has a lot of dialogue. He touches his face about 15 times. Like, that's his acting deal. Like, I can't believe it. Oh. Um,
0: uh-huh. And I
2: think I saw an interview with him where he's watching it like now and he's just like, "What? don't touch your face again. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, why are you doing that? But I mean, I think this is like the first thing he ever acted in. But yeah, they're, they're, this scene, they're just hanging out and again okay. they're trying to get stuff together
1: I was just going to ask was this his first film but apparently it was I think so okay the next one is Tesh, ZZ Top so for me this is like a huge testosterone fueled scene and song mm-hmm. you've got the guys in the car and they're what they're destroying mailboxes and knocking over trash cans and then mitch takes a bowling ball they they get him the guys in the car get him to take the bowling ball so throw the bowling ball and he does and he knocks out the back windshield of some car so it's just this crazy very hyper masculine kind of scene and that's the perfect song for that
2: yeah you're you're combining do, two yeah. favorite things yes littering with the trash cans and then destroying the mailboxes and then yeah like you said the bowling ball at the end which somehow was in the back of pickford's car nobody ever explained that yeah. but that's fine but yes you know they, it could only be done in a car full of guys
1: up next rock and roll Huchiku, Rick Derringer. this is just more at the arcade yeah this is more driving around
3: but it's when they win the uh, the money for the first kegs, right? They're they're shooting pool, and they win the oh they yeah win the yeah yeah, and they get the first money for the kick. and then they're like, hey, you guys go okay. get the first, I'll go collect for the rest. Like that was that was it, yeah.
1: And then Lord Lord have mercy on my soul. Black Oak, Arkansas. What was going on during one. that? Yeah, I, I remember Ooh, that one. There are three that I just don't remember, and that's that's the third one. So, the next one, Slow Ride. ride.
2: Mm. ride. ride. ride.
1: We hear this a couple times, two or three times in the movie. Slow ride. Yeah, and so they're back at the Emporium and they're hatching a plan to get Ben Affleck back.
2: Yeah, and that's yeah, Mitch and Yeah, and it's funny too right. because oh, he, yeah, comes, yeah. he comes out of the thing after you know giving him the whole yeah you know just working for the town and he sees his friends coming around the corner and then you see that like they're still they're still in high in middle school and he's you know oh you're hanging out at the deal what's in there and he's just like sixer like no big deal
1: whatever <laughs> yeah I do this all the time.
2: Yeah, correct, correct, and I love the sign on the on the uh, Easy Mart there. Cigarettes were sixty cents a pack.
1: Oh God, I missed that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. In the previous
3: scene, when they were busting the mailboxes, gas was fifty eight cents.
1: <laughs> Just wow. So let let that sink Enough in. Enough said. <laughs> but no, the scene where Mitch is buying the beer is fantastic. He, for some some kid who's never done this before, he's he's a natural at it, and the dude behind the the counter. You know he knows he's not 18, but he's just, you're yeah. 18, right? And, yeah, no, he didn't give a shit.
3: But he did give a shit about the pregnant mother, though. He—he's he, mm-hmm. like, he, mm-hmm. While she was smoking and buying a bottle of booze, he's like, eat a green thing. It's very important to eat a green thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I love when, when he's standing there and he just gives him the McConaughey story. Like, he just pretty much word for word what he said. Oh, yeah, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, it, it it disappointed me because there was a, there was, when he go when they get to the pool hall to begin with the girl that the sophomore girl, I don't remember her name. She asked, she asked Mitch how he's doing. And I wish he would have said nothing a couple beers can't handle or something like that. Cause that's what they told him in the car on the way over there. Like, don't, don't worry about it. But yeah, just the fact that he's just parroting what he just heard to get through this situation. I loved it.
1: Yeah. So we have Show Me the Way, Peter Frampton after that. So Wooderson is spreading the word about the party. Just kind of more transition stuff going on. Uh, that was on Frampton Live.
3: Right. That's, that's the ones that they that were big hits, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is interesting because the, the, the yeah. singles didn't really hit the charts. But Once Frampton Comes Alive came out, and it was those three, really. Do You Feel Like We Do, which is also in the movie. Mm-hmm. Show Me the Way, and uh, what's the other one? Ooh, baby,
1: me? I Love Your Way.
3: Baby, I Love Your Way. Yeah. Baby, I Love Your Way. Correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: See, Christy is Which our sister, was. man. She knows the stuff we need to know.
1: <laughs> Which, Baby, I Love Your Way was in, um, uh, what's the name of that movie with Winona Ryder? Um, Reality Bites. But she's in the, okay. in the car with Ben um, Stiller, and they're making out.
3: Lisa Bonet sang it. What? In high in high fidelity. Okay. Alrighty. <laughs> Another great rock and roll movie. Yeah. Nick Hornsby. He is he is yeah, British. Yeah. I wish they had like Ewan McGregor back in the day, or maybe like a James McAvoy oh. Do It Now. Um mm-hmm. I love John Cusack. You know, I grew up in the 80s. He graduated from high school in every movie he made for about 10 years there, and I I I related to all of them. Um, but I, I think it would have been served better if it was made over here. But that's, you know,
2: that's a but In this scene, uh, this is where uh, they roll up to the top notch. McConaughey rolls up to the top notch and you've got Mike, Tony, and Cynthia in the car and you just hear him, all right, all right, all right, is, you know, an L-I-V-I-N or his big ones, but that, I love redheads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the next one, rock and roll all night, kiss. Come on.
2: Travel we'll
0: crazy You keep on you keep How
1: how can you you can't have a party with drinking and well they didn't drink you can't have a, a party.
2: Well, some of them drank. Some of them drank uh, quite
1: a bit. Right of the kiss, but not not Gene, not Gene and Paul. The other, yeah, the other guys. That yes. is correct. The other guys, yes.
3: Well, yeah, it's because they would only license Gene and Paul's likeness for the movie. Those are the only likenesses you could get, right? They're not going to license the other guys in 1993, so that's an easy call. Yeah. By the way, just want to let you know in the in one of the first scenes. Remember when the the eighth graders are still in school and the the guys like out in the hallway with his brothers, he's like, hey, man, let's go. I got my keys. You know, let's get out of here. He was wearing a rock and roll over T-shirt. Okay, rock and roll over did not come out till November of 1976. Okay, November of 1976. So there's no way on May 28th in 1976 he was wearing a rock and roll over T-shirt.
2: What if he got an advanced copy?
3: He didn't get an advanced copy in nowhere'sville, Texas. <laughs> hmm. But they did—they
2: did tease this because they had—they uh, showed you the Paul and Gene, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, likenesses in the back of the car a couple of scenes before that. Yeah. But yeah, at this point in time, yes, you could not have this movie about a giant party with without rock Mm-mm. and roll all night. No.
1: Okay. The next song is Balinese, ZZ Top, and it's just the party in the woods.
3: The the moon tower scene, I think they captured extremely well with the music as far as when you're you're riding up there and you're listening to rock and roll all night. Uh, And and although this one is more of a background one, you know, it's still point on point, but there's going to be a few others coming up here that I think encapsulate exactly what was going on so well and provide the emotional background uh for which link ladder and then obviously the actors uh, can kind of do their thing
1: so we've got another frampton song coming up do you feel like okay. i do
2: okay again awful frampton comes alive
1: yes sabrina is flirting with tony do you feel like yes. i do
2: wink 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 uh-huh wink. yes it's interesting how the you know the the different guys it, they have the different dynamic of people in the in the the class. You mm-hmm. know, you have like you know you kind of have the when they walk in and there's what's his name Clint, like you know the alpha male guy who's just looking to fight, right. and then you've got the kind of everybody's you know, other people that are just looking to get stoned, and then you've got you know kind of Tony who's. He wants to be cool, but then he's kind of you know they want to talk about neo McCarthyism and stuff like that too so yeah to the he's got this connection with this girl who he met before just by chance. It's interesting to see that little dynamic develop
1: okay, so next song, right place, wrong time, Dr. John, so we've got Mitch walking, I love this walking around, he's drunk, walking around drunk at the party <coughs> and uh, Right place, wrong time. I mean, do you even know where you are right now? And then there's Pink in the truck talking with Benny about the pledge he doesn't want to sign, and whether or not he's even going to play football. So another another example of a great song and a great scene.
2: Right, and, and what I love too is is the walking that around, perfect. The walking around when you're just, you know, you're. You can still function, but you're mm-hmm. you've had a had a little bit to drink and just kind of like, yeah, just looking around like, who's here, man? Who is this person? Mm-hmm. Who is this? Just kind of getting the vibe. And then I always kind of I always felt bad for, for Benny in this one because he's really trying to do the right thing, but Pink doesn't want to hear it at all. Yeah.
3: No, no, it's it's perfect for Mitch when you're when you're exactly right, Jackson. When you're walking around, you got a little buzz out. And the way Dr. John sings it, like I would do the right, please. But it would roll that. You know, and Ooh, it's kind of got a little buzz on him, you can kind of tell. You know, and he's he's kind of he drift around. I was like, mm, mm, oh yeah, here, drink some more. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I did see Dr. John perform this song when he opened for the Stones at the Aragon Ballroom.
1: In oh wow. 2000, nice. Two thousand
3: four, And Bono came out that night, you know, to sing it's only rock and roll with Mick, but oh, like wow. having a little bit of that kind of Louisiana soul piano. Uh, and have him do his thing on there, I'm like, man, this guy's not that good, and then he did that song, I'm like, "All right, I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: pretty cool no it's it's the perfect song for that scene, and so is this next song. cherry bomb by the runaways and when that song comes on then the camera focuses on the senior girls dancing and i can't remember which one which which character it is but one of them just kind of does a face plant on the ground
2: <laughs> she's just so
1: wasted so that that's a that's a great song
2: and i think this was one that i had never heard this song oh. before.
1: oh
3: I'd never
2: heard this one before. So to kind of do it like, you know, who is this? Like, oh, it's the Runaways. I've never heard of the runaways. It's Joan Jett, Jett and Lita Ford mm-hmm. from back in the day. Oh, these yeah, this is badass back then. So I'm glad they included they included some kind of deeper deeper yeah. tracks and deeper cuts from artists, uh, deeper cut artists also. Right. Yeah, that's my girl.
1: And then the next
3: one... my
2: girl, Parker, just flailing
3: around. You saw her bonging (laughs) beers earlier. You know, I was like, okay. She's not there to like drink and be social. She's there to get messed up because you see her bonging the beer. There she is like spazzing out, Joy Lauren Adams or Simone comes through, boom, she trips and that cracks Parker up and then she falls on the floor and starts pushing her over and she's still just a mean, <laughs> but having a blast, right? Laughing her ass off, big smile on that face. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I still love her.
2: That's your girl. Oh. <laughs> But then, but then she's, she's kind of staggering around, like she doesn't really, you know, she's kind of get to get her bearings, and then she sees the freshman girl, and bam she's back. She knows exactly what to do. Air raid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, if you don't do this right now, I'm going to make the rest. I'm going to make next year. A oh, living God. hell! And then it's, it, you're thinking, is she going to remember this? <laughs> no. I hope not, because no. if she does, she, she <laughs> means every word of what she says.
1: Yeah, that 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 was a good time for Sabrina to not obey that order, because what are the odds she's going to remember this in right. the morning?
2: Right. <laughs> Plus, she's got Tony to defend her.
1: Yeah, don't do it, Sabrina.
2: Right, yeah, because he could stand up to her. I don't no, think I so. He would run <laughs> screaming away.
1: Yeah, he's not much of a match for Parker Posey. <laughs> so the next song, the Alien song, this is a this is when Mila Jovovich is playing the guitar and this is actually a song by her. And we we don't get much of it, but it it just kind of inspires this amazing conversation. Slater starts going off on the aliens man and George Washington man and the dollar bill and Martha Washington that whole scene is just fabulous. It's like quintessential high school stoner history that he comes <laughs> up with
2: and i i think that that song that she sings that's the only speaking part she has in the whole movie i don't think she has any other oh lines. yeah yeah well and, okay and guys look if you watch the credits
3: like she's third build like you know there was jason london and the you know her boyfriend or something like that. And then she was third because at the time she probably was the bigger name because she was mm. a bottle and she had been in other, a, a mm-hmm. couple of other things mm. and everybody else was mm-hmm. un completely unknown, you know? So they kind of put her third. I'm like, you put her third, you know, what did she say? When it, or his dad said, are you having a party here tonight? She goes, no. And that's it. You know, like that's, that's her line other than her. You know, she, she doesn't <laughs> right. say anything. None of the movie right. is about her. She's just on Slater's arm. All night you know i mean but third on the bill
1: yeah but that that song opened up that great dialogue or really a monologue what'd he say george washington man he was in a cult and the cult was into aliens man
2: george
0: Toadweed. absolutely george Toadweed, are you kidding me man he grew fields of that stuff yeah, man ge- that's what i'm talking man. about he- he- fields he grew that shit up mount vernon man mount
2: How'd vernon I'd... man he grew it all over the country but you know what Behind every good man, there's a woman, and that woman was Martha Washington, man. And every day George would come home, she'd have a big, fat bull waiting for him, man, when he'd come in the door, man. She was a hip, a hip, hip
0: lady, man.
1: Somebody should count how many times the word man was used in this movie. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so then we move into, it's, it's the end of the party, and we're, we're getting into the end of the night. And there's a shift in tone. And we hear Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner and, and it's it, it really it, yeah, it matches that, that shift that's taking place.
2: And this is the other this is the other big one for me because now every time I hear that song on the radio, all I think about, all I see is the hand pumping and there's just nothing left and they just, just throw the thing. K- yeah, you know, that's it. Right. Party's over, there's nothing else. We've we've beat this into the ground, we gotta go home yeah. now. And, yeah, just that sad, like, oh, okay. Okay, Yeah,
1: but let's go smoke a joint at the 50-yard line at the football field.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, you've got to come up with other
1: ideas.
3: (laughs) But, see, I think this is the perfect bookend to Mm -hmm. it, right? Right? I mean, you're you're warming up, getting there, listening to Kiss and stuff like that. In the middle, there's some good ones, including when he was loaded, I would interact, please. (laughs) And then, you know, and then you end with – Here's Tuesday's gone. You know, it's over. It's the, the night's over. Let's wind yeah. it up here. Let's and, let's, and look. I live in Jacksonville off and on for ten years, so uh, you, you, every fifth song on classic rock radio is of course Jacksonville. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: if you're in Florida, I would imagine so. But it, it also you get this feeling that there because there's a, in that scene, everybody's saying goodbye to everybody. You know, see you later. But there, there's a feeling of tomorrow is not going to be the same school's out and what's to come. There's just there's that incredible feeling of a shift that that song underscores so well. And then they are on the, on the 50 yard line. And then there's that. And I think the crux of the film really happens at that 50 yard line, the conversations that go on. And Don Dawson is saying he wants to look back on these years is I did the best I could. I, played as hard as I could when I was stuck in this place and all that kind of thing. And what was it? Pink saying, if these are something, this is not a quote, if these are the best years of my life, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Something like that. And there, yeah. Yeah. There's that whole conversation that takes place that, there is interesting. Remind me to kill mm-hmm. myself.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause he's, He's not just the quarterback, right? I mean, he's not just the, I'll go to school and I'll marry mm-hmm. my high school girlfriend. We'll go to college and as a quarterback, and then I'll come home and sell insurance, you know, whatever kind of thing. It, well, the other guys are like, yeah, let me do my best. But he's he's also with the yeah. nerds, right? The, the, the thinking kids, right? He, he's a good writer. You know, he's thinking I shouldn't sign this pledge. Whereas, you know, I had to sign those pledges. I will not do drugs or smoke you know, whatever, anything during the season. We all did. did. Absolutely, we did. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, Yeah, and then I did whatever the hell I wanted to anyway, you know, uh, because, you know, the the star player was my buddy.
1: That's what the guys are telling him. Just sign it and do what you want. (laughs) But you get this sense that he doesn't want football to define him, and he doesn't want authority telling him, what to do, even though he'd be able to look the other way. There's just that, that feeling of, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, fuck the man. <laughs> I'm not going to do this.
2: Wow. Right.
3: But you know, I'm, I'm, I, you, you know, you said you might be like Marissa Besey or whatever, but I'm not like Randall Pink Floyd. I was not the quarterback of the football team. I was not trading, you know, Jody for Simone at, at a party at the moon tower at any time in my life. That wasn't who I was, but the whole, yes, I'm an athlete, yeah. and I also want to yeah. think. And I also want to be in the school musical. And I also want to have a few beers with my buddies, you know, maybe even smoke a joint every once in a while. You don't need to be telling me what to do outside of, you know, run this sprint, right. you know, do this drill, run this play. You can do that all day. But once mm-hmm. we're off campus,
1: and that's you his don't field. tell me what to do. And, and I love that he has that conversation with, with Wooderson, who talks about, rules and as you get older it's just gonna get worse and worse and and he says um let me tell you this the older you do get the more rules they're gonna to try to get you to follow you just gotta keep living man L I V I N I love N. this man I love this character I love this movie <laughs> it's just perfect he's, he's so- just I can't believe that was his first role. He's just perfect.
3: People who don't like Matthew McConaughey Oh. Nitpickers, uh, they're, yeah, they're jackasses. Yeah. Ladies, if you want to pick it, Matthew McConaughey's not a great actor. He's not whatever, whatever, man. You know, all right, all right, all right. That's all I got to say to the haters.
1: Do you know where he got that? Do you know where he got that? all right, all right, all right? He was listening to The Doors. There was a live album. And at one point, Jim Morrison goes, all right, all right, all right, all right. He does it four times and mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey was was in the car about to shoot the scene scared shitless because he's he's never done this before it's his first role his first scene the first words even though it it doesn't appear first in the movie for him but it's his first scene ever and he's sitting in the car going who is this guy who is this guy that I'm playing and that came to mind and he thought okay what is the character about cars mm-hmm. his car Music, partying with my friends and the ladies. And he he's looked around, and he said, Okay, well, I got the car, I'm partying with my friends in the car and listen to some cool tunes. All <laughs> right, all right, all right. Three of the four. And it just came out. It wasn't scripted. It's brilliant. It just works. I mean, uh, that's great. bless his heart when he dies, that's going to be on his tombstone.
2: Well, and you don't even have to. You don't even have to be talking about him or or any movie. You just say that, and you know exactly who that's. Yeah. Who that's uh, coined by. And I don't know for sure, but I'm
3: gonna guess uh, that that was live at the Hollywood Bowl by the Doors. But I could be wrong about that. I'm
2: not saying that because I've heard them do that. I'm just guessing.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
2: And I believe when he accepted his Academy Award that was the first thing that he said when he got up last thing was the last thing waiting for that oh was it the last it thing the last... okay yeah.
1: i was i was watching that yeah. but i don't remember that so that that's that would be perfect of course <laughs> he would say that that gave him his whole start <laughs> so you can either right. be annoyed that that stuck with you or you can respect it appreciate it and embrace it it sounds like he does yeah. okay so the last well not the last song the next to the last song i think is summer breeze so we're getting into the dawn and it, what you know I, I love this song what a what a just a, a light soft kind of poppy song well not really poppy but just a, a light rock song love seals and crafts dawn's breaking mitch is making out on the blanket That's, it's,
2: it's, yeah, yeah. It's yacht rock. okay and you think to yourself i wonder what happened to mitch yeah. yeah. Oh, but there he is. Mitch, now man. we catch up to him on a blanket spread out way to go because they did tell him, hey, just tell him left they need a ride because we left you. It'll work. <laughs> they did. I know. I
3: need somebody to tell me all these tricks, man. I had to figure oh. them all out on my own. I'm like, why are you giving it to this eighth grade kid just because you paddled him a yeah. couple of times? I'm, I needed an older brother, man. Jeez.
2: We both got chipped out. He of did. Mitch looked out. Right. That is correct. So yes, he did. He did end up with the uh, older woman who gave him a ride home. Yeah, you really can't beat that. Not only, not only was she interested in you, she actually drove you home. That's fantastic. <laughs> right, and his mom was cool. Well, but, I mean, she drove him
1: deal. home and he came in. She gave him a pass.
2: Right. But Yeah, you have to say. And then and, and the sister does bring this up about how this is total crap. So when she finds out about all this, she is going to go ballistic because apparently mom and dad were a little bit uh, more restrictive with her. And now they've learned their lesson to give them a little bit of leeway. That,
1: that's the way it is with the older kid and the younger kid. I'm the, I'm the youngest of four. By the time I came along, they were like, screw it. Whatever.
2: Yeah, I'll I'm the oldest
3: of five. Yeah, you don't even have to come home this right. weekend. Just I'm the oldest and My youngest
2: brother was like, "Just don't get arrested," and that's it. And it was like, "Are you <laughs> kidding me? Are you kidding me?"
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, I love this this <laughs> quote, and I can't remember if it comes before summer breeze or after. Because on the football field, they get caught by the cops. The guys on the football field get caught by the cops, and the cops recognize the guys and call right. the football coach, and the football coach is all up. Pink's behind. Are you going to sign this? And don't hang around with these losers and all that kind of thing. And then Pink delivers this great line. I got to go, coach. Me and my loser (laughs) friends got to go get Aerosmith (laughs) tickets. Top priority of the summer. I might play ball, but I will never sign that. So there you go.
3: Yeah, and because he's the starting quarterback, he can totally get away with that. It's not like they're going to say, well, we got a chance at a state championship, but we're going to, we're gonna sit our starting quarterback because he won't sign a piece of paper. No way, not even in yeah. Texas. Yeah, no way.
2: <laughs> now I will have to point out the fact too that in that scene, Coach is driving a Bronco, and that car would probably be worth about eighty thousand dollars today in that condition. It's just, it's beautiful. It looks brand new. That's one of the. <laughs> that's one of the problems I have with this movie. Now rewatching it, the cars are all too nice. No high school kids have cars that look like that. Yes. The paint jobs were all way too de- too nice. Right. Like no way, dude. These Correct. are hand me down trucks.
3: They're from the fifties and sixties. You can't tell me the paint.
2: They don't have dents in them and rusted up and things falling off because that's a high school kid's car. You're right. It's, you know, granddad's truck that he gave you or something. You're like, Oh, cool. Is that a 58? <laughs> this will be awesome. The only one, the only one I maybe give you a pass on is Pickford because obviously, you know, they you, they get to his house and mom and dad have the big Cadillac that they're they're loading up to go to the lake or whatever. Maybe him, but everybody else, now nah, they would they would just be bombed out, mm-hmm. pieces of junk.
1: Okay, y'all, we're at the end of the movie. Oh, so Mitch, I know, Mitch goes home. Yeah. It's dawn. He goes into his room after having that interaction with his mother. And he puts on his headphones and he plays slow ride. And you you get the feeling mm-hmm. that oh he's transitioning. This is this is a pivotal moment for him, what he's gone through in this in this day. And now he's moving into his high school years where he's gonna be going through some of the things that the seniors who have been torturing him were going through. And there's there's that like this is just beginning and but it's also playing on the car radio when wooderson and pink and slater are heading off to get aerosmith tickets so it's it's just in houston yeah yeah
2: and i and i like that scene too because even though you know you've got the you got the party ending you've got the you know the thing about the football coach you got uh mitch going home That scene about how, like, you know, McConaughey says, I got my third win. Come on, we got to go. You know, there's Uh, that hopeful driving. Like, you know what? It's going to be okay. We're going to go get Aerosmith tickets. And that's another whole thing, too, that makes me sad. Because now it's like, oh, I need Aerosmith tickets. Hold on. Click, click, click. Got them. Okay, pull. I mean, no, you had to. You had to put some sweat equity into getting those tickets.
1: You had to go stand in line. Correct.
2: That's right, you
3: know. Hey, Jackson and I camped out together for rush tickets. Ask a kid today if they have to camp out to get tickets. What?
2: What for? Yeah, it's all – yeah, the ticket yeah. master just tells me what to do and I just click it and then it's on my phone. You don't even have tickets anymore. Everything's electronic. So you've
1: got nothing invested. Well, I mean the money. But right. you don't have – right. You don't have that sweat equity. Correct. You know? Correct.
2: And to and – to I mean if they were – okay, so you figure they don't say they're in Austin, but they're in Austin. That's mm. like a three-and-a-half-hour drive. To get to somewhere in Houston mm-hmm. to buy those tickets, that's a big commitment. They really yeah. wanted to see Aerosmith.
1: Yeah. So some fun facts about this movie. You know that scene with Wooderson when he says that great line, "That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age." Mm-hmm. And then there's a girl who walks past. Yes,
3: they
2: do.
1: It's, it's <laughs> hey, well, <laughs> it's Renee Zellweger who walks past. Oh,
2: really? Okay, because I she's yeah. from Austin. Yeah, although that's right. To whoever's credit that is, and they made Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake together.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Madonna,
2: hey,
3: and Renee Zellweger did.
1: Yeah. One thing
2: about that scene though that I didn't remember, but then I remember this time he says that you know ah, I keep getting older. And one of and one of them like I don't know who it is. is like man, you're gonna get arrested.
1: <laughs> hmm. Another fun fact: the casting director Don Phillips was also the casting director of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ah,
2: uh-huh. okay. Nice.
1: Another fun fact. Key. Very important to know. Yes. Yeah. Another fun fact: the director. It's called Days and Confused, but the director couldn't get the rights to the Zeppelin song, Days and Confused. So they, they still use the title because it, it sort of underscores the state of mind of the characters, which is just sort of aimlessness. But it, it really wasn't until I'm as famous before Zeppelin started granting the rights to be on soundtracks.
2: Do you, okay, do you have any more info on that? Because that's interesting. If he had gotten the rights, where would he have put that in the movie? Cause that's real slow and heavy. I don't know. Like maybe when they were, maybe when they were smoking up. And that's a good scene, question. Yeah, it seems like most of the other songs are kind of like they're they're light and and they're kind of moving along. And that one is real yeah. slow and and heavy. I don't know where that would have gone in the movie.
1: I don't know. I don't know. This is an interesting fun fact. In October two thousand four, three of the director's former classmates from Huntsville High School. Whose surnames are Wooderson, Slater, and Floyd, filed a defamation lawsuit against Linklater, claiming to be the basis for the characters on the film with similar names. So the suit was ultimately dismissed, but they they did there was that kind of dust up at that time.
2: And that's ridiculous because they're even going to tell you. I mean, watch the end of the movie. They they have that disclaimer like this doesn't have anything yeah. to do living or dead. It's a coincidence. Right. Yeah. There's nothing about that. Give me a break. They wanted some money, right? I'll tell you an
3: interesting fun fact: is that Richard (laughs) Linklater eventually, more than twenty years later, did a movie called Everybody Wants Some, which was supposed to be kind of about nineteen early eighties, nineteen eighty, like guys going to college and having that first freedom, you know, the first time, almost like he was trying to recapture some of the old days and confused magic, and it had one of um, Caitlyn Jenner's sons. that she is the father—I don't know how that works. Anyway, and it's got Zoe Deutsch and it. it's got a uh, Wyatt Russell, who's who's Russell's son. And it's you it, it, it try to capture recapture some of that. The Emporium, if you take a a good look, is in it. It's not the same letters. It's not the same color and all that. But if you know Dazed and Confused and you watch Everybody Wants Some. When they show the building, which is the Emporium, we're like, I know what that is, too. That's the Emporium. So he definitely went back to the okay. same spot to, to do okay.
2: recapture a little bit of glory there.
1: Nice. All right. Final thoughts about this movie, the soundtrack, your experience with it?
2: Uh, again, I hadn't seen it for a while until until we suggested this i love this movie it's it's just really great it's not really about anything and it doesn't have to yeah. be about anything there's no like there's no twist at the end where it turns out mm-hmm, oh there's mm-hmm. an alien race no, there's none of that there really isn't i mean it, it's all about the it's all about the characters that you get to know and you know you're saying well who are you in this movie there's there's little you can pick little bits and pieces from you know several if not all of yes. them and it's just a really cool like even if it, it, there's a lot of things you can relate to in the movie. Right. And I'm really glad. You mentioned everybody wants some which is kind of I mean it wouldn't be a sequel but I'm really glad they never made a sequel to this or anything like that. Just leave it alone. Oh yeah. And yeah. Let it be. Yeah. No. Exactly. And I think Jackson for you and me, I mean because of the
3: time that we saw this when it had just come out, we're just a couple few years removed from high school. All this this is 15 years before we graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so long ago that these things had happened to us in, in some kind of way. So it resonated, right? Like Breakfast Club really resonated for us. It didn't resonate for my dad. Because that wasn't his experience, you know, maybe The Big Chill, which had a great soundtrack of its own, resonated for him. At, because when it came oh, out, yeah. that made sense of where he was in his life and his friends and that kind of thing. But for us, it's The Breakfast Club. So, yeah, it, yeah. it'll always hold a special place in my heart mm-hmm. in that I saw it at that time. And and looking back now, you know, you're right, Yeah, no, I hadn't seen it much. It's not like I watched this very often like we would every other week or so when we live together, right? But uh, it's it's a fantastic movie. The soundtrack is unbelievable. It captures an amazing time in American history that we can identify very strongly Mm -hmm. with. Like our listeners, our UK listeners on our show, Jackson, probably wouldn't identify with this very well at all because it didn't have a lot of like, you know, prog rock. It didn't have a lot of Zeppelin or any of that kind of stuff or any of the pop music that was big over here you know, that Def Leppard loved, no Roxy music, none of that kind of stuff. This is mm-hmm. very American.
2: Yeah, it, it is. Now for the now for the math portion of the show. So this movie came out in 19, 1993 and was about 1976. That was 17 years. If you made wow. it today, it would be about 2005.
1: Oh God, I feel if, old. But,
2: but if you made a movie about 2005, I mean, I, I, maybe it would resonate with people, but i like, I guess like to me, it was, there was so much like the seventies had its own, it was its own thing. And the eighties were its own thing. And then the nineties kind of like the two thousands, like, I guess maybe there was just so much that you can identify with that period of time.
1: Yeah. I don't think music means as much to kids as it did in the 70s, 80s, even 90s.
2: Okay, so it let's go back to the story about the CD. He wanted to listen to the song. He had to listen to the song at this second. I got to mm-hmm. find that song right now. Who has a copy of it? Guess yeah. where it is right now? On my phone. Every song that's ever written mm-hmm. is on my phone. There there isn't there isn't that connection to it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, that makes me sad.
2: It It is a little sad. right? Yeah, they're, they're
3: not going to go out and buy Desire. They're not going to go out and buy Desire by Bob Dylan and, and hear the other eight right. songs on the record. They're just going to hear that song on YouTube, on their phone, whatever. Say, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And then, oh, Taylor Swift's got to do it. Yeah, let me hear that. Right. You Who know, look at TikTok? It's not even like you listen to the radio and you wait to hear your favorite thing. You choose what you want to listen to and that's all you hear.
1: Right. So there's so much that people are missing out on because of that. Which
3: is great for me now.
2: <laughs> well, yes. Right. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, it sucks for young people, but it's great for me. I, I control my own destiny. Yes. It's very nice.
1: <laughs> well, that's all, folks. Those are our, our top five rock soundtracks. Thanks so much for coming on Rock is Lit, Mac and Jackson. This was a blast. I had a great time.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you for being here. Check out the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're done. This was great.
3: We love you, Christy. Thank you so much.
2: All right, all right, all right. right. Can you not hear me? I can see you, I can hear you, I can't see him or hear him. What?
1: Oh. I can, I can hear you, Mac. I can see you and hear you.
2: Are you going
3: to have fun editing this one? Take it easy.
1: Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Rock is Lit to hear from more great rock novelists and special guests who will offer commentary on the music or musical events featured in these novels. If you like what you hear, subscribe, follow, and spread the word. And check out the Rock is Lit vault on my website for news, bonus material, and outtakes from episodes. Until next time, keep rocking and reading and getting lit.
0: Rock is lit!